Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. everyone, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day. I am your host, Lauren. Um, okay, so I just got off my final master class, week eight um, call with my group, and I'm just buzzing with energy um, for those that are paying attention. Um, so uh, let's see. We, I started a masterclass, so I did a small group masterclass called Revive um, that we were taking people in in May, and it started in June, and it was an eight-week course um, to work with people to help them just create their 2020, uh, kind of recover from what's been going on, um, and all that, you know, whatever. I'm doing a terrible job, but I'm not trying to sell it to you right now because you can't buy it right now. I'll do a better description if I ever need to sell it again. My point is that it was really a beautiful experience and I'm just so grateful to um, the group of women that I got to be with for the last eight weeks and that community and I would really like to do it again. Um, you will hear today in this question why I don't know exactly if or when I will do it again. Um, for those paying attention though, it started June, I said eight weeks, and you're like, wait a minute, Lauren, let's see, it is like Sunday, August 2nd. Does, does that mean you're recording this on Friday, July 31st? Yes, yes I am. Why? Two reasons. One, apparently I'm just sadistic to my husband and uh, want him to have to like edit <laughs> like a maniac um, with a timeline. Two, I call myself multi-passionate. And what that means is, or ADHD, I mean, really, you know, whatever, we, we don't need to label anything. Um, but what it means is that when I am on a soapbox in life or something is truly um, affecting me, wherever it is, personally or professionally, I feel really motivated to talk to you guys about it. Um, and I don't want to wait for two months from now when we have a next opening for an episode. I want it to be released in kind of like real time. You know, like if I'm struggling with drinking too much, I'm not saying I am, okay? whatever, it was an example. And I do an interview with someone on how to like not numb during this time. I don't want it to come out in September. I want it to come out like right now because that's where I got the information and it was helpful. And I assume that if I'm going through it, you guys are going through it. So anyways, I told Kirby, no, I don't want to wait until the end of August. I want to budge this episode to the front because it's what I've gone through over the last few weeks. So anyways, without further ado, um, today's question is, is less a question. Well, I'll phrase it as a question from me, um, and it's on the idea of compassion fatigue. So before we jump in, we are going to do a listener highlight um, because that's, that's what we do here, people. Okay, 
So this says, this is called, uh, this is back from December, and it says a bomb-ass podcast for women. It says Dr. Lauren nailed it by starting this podcast. She's extremely relatable, transparent, and answers the burning questions that so many female chiropractors have been dying to ask. Her podcast provides an outlet for women to ask vulnerable questions without judgment. And quite frankly, she brings guests on who have been there, done that, and designed a course for that. The content and advice provided is invaluable and life-changing. Keep rocking, Lauren. So thank you very much for that. Um, that was that's a really kind review. I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, like definitely that. I, you know, when I started the podcast, I didn't plan on it being as vulnerable as it ended up being. I mean, I planned on you being vulnerable. Let's get that straight. I wanted you to be vulnerable and me to be to help you and answer your questions. Um, but I didn't realize how comfortable I would be being vulnerable with a thousand people every week. Um, and I am. And it happened really fast. I think like episode 10 is where I was like, okay, so I've had enough of being your fearless leader and am now ready to show you all of my flaws. Um, and I kind of bring that up because today is another one of those those things that I I could have easily had an expert on the idea of compassion fatigue. I know people, right? Um, I could have found a therapist and I could have just done the thing of like, so tell me about compassion fatigue, Nancy. And um, I don't know why her name was Nancy. Um, her name's always Nancy, right? Um, and I could have just been an interviewer, but like, mm, I don't know. I just feel like we get so much more. The pe reason people like this podcast, I think, um, is because I go there with subjects that I think you're going there with too. And I let you in, not just after the fact, not just like, oh, so this is something that I was dealing with six months ago, but right now I'm totally great and perfect. And I don't want you to think that I ever, I suffered for like just a second and now I'm great. Um, and I think that, you know, in general, we do that with books. We do that with our gurus or our, you know, because we don't like sitting in the uncertainty of what's going to happen next. So for some of you, like, so for me, it's more comfortable to talk to you about a subject after I'm already through it, right? Because I feel certain that I healed and recovered and I don't have to, I can be a little vulnerable, but with the confidence that I was only broken for a minute. Um, it's a lot different for me to talk to you guys about something while I'm struggling with it because I don't have the certainty that I'm not going to stay broken. And so then I have to let you all in on like this journey of like, what if I'm just broken? What if I am not fine six months from now? What if this gets worse than currently? Um, and that sucks. <laughs> like, that just sucks to be in individually, let alone include a bunch of other people. Also, I'm going to throw you guys under the bus just a tiny bit um, of that people want certainty. So we seek certainty from others. So it's like, okay, so Lauren, talk to me about compassion fatigue. Tell me what it is. Tell me what to do. And then tell me that you did it and it worked and with certainty that this is what I need to do and I will be fixed. Right? So like we don't buy a weight loss program from someone who's hasn't like gotten the results, crossed the finish line. Right? We're like, cause I want to know that what you're telling me is going to work and before I invest in it. And I, guess, I don't know, I guess what I'll tell you is you're not paying me. So like, that's part of the reason I feel comfortable. I'm not selling you anything today. I am inviting you to coffee with me. And that's kind of what the point of this podcast is, is like, hey, let's have coffee and talk about stuff 
that I think a lot of us are going through. And if we're not going through it now, you might be going through it a month from now or six months from now, or your best friend might be going through it or your daughter might be going through it. And let's just let's just talk. So I said that today wasn't a question from anyone else. Um, it's more just a vulnerable question from me um, to me <laughs> of like, dear Lauren, what the fuck is going on with you lately? You are not yourself. You're tired. You're cranky. Um, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not being good. You're isolating from friends. You're not doing the things that usually bring you joy. What's up with that? So before we jump in, that, that would be my question to myself, I guess. Um, so before we jump in, let us not forget to pray. Dear God, thank you so much for these people that trust me and want to have these conversations. Help my example, my experience, my words, um, my personality, whatever, everything that you have given to help them on their path and help them to see part of my story and how it can impact them, help them to have conversations and just be better versions of themselves. Thank you so much for experts on topics like this. Um, because Lord, you know, I was going to say Lord knows in my prayer, but like I'm talking to you. So you know that I am not an expert on this. So thank you for giving me the confidence to talk about things even when and not like hide and go like, oh, I can't talk about that. So thank you for that false sense of confidence that you always give me. I love you so much. Um, in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so before we jump in to what's been going on the last two or three weeks in my life, I, I need to catch you up to speed a little bit. So where I am at is that um, we've had two associates. So we have two clinics and I've had two associates for the last three years. I hired my first associate six years ago, five years. I should know the answer to that five years ago. We'll say five, five to six. Um, and then I hired another one two years later. Open second clinic. Great. So I pictured that when, you know, we kind of got to this growth point in the clinic where we weren't, even though I had hired on the second associate, we still weren't growing in numbers wise. And, you know, I've done podcasts on the importance of executive time. I think that one of the biggest things as a visionary is to have time where you're working on your clinic, not in your clinic. So when we looked at the numbers, it was like, okay, realistically, I need to be adjusting, um, you know, if I think we figured out like 15 hours a week to handle the certain load. So it wasn't like, so it was comfortable on the associates, but then I still had all this time to work on all the stuff I was going to work on. So that was, that's been for the last two years where I worked one full day a week and three other days I would only work from like two to five 30, like in the clinic adjusting. Um, and I don't know, it really didn't do magic for our growth. That's not to say that executive time isn't what is good. Hindsight, I totally did not use that executive time purposefully. Duh, I started a podcast to talk to you guys and not make money. <laughs> Instead of doing all the stuff I should have been doing, like meeting with local professionals and yada, yada, and yada, yada. Um, Whatever. Well, that's a whole different podcast of how to productively use your executive time and not what I did for the last two years. So about the beginning of May, um, my first associate um, who started with me right out of school, not me out of school, her out of school and, you know, has blossomed into this amazing chiropractor who our patients love, absolutely love. I love, um, told me that her husband got a really good corporate job out in New Jersey and that it was the right move for them. And instantly when she told me, um, my brain, so like the first thing that happened was my heart clenched 
or my breath clenched and then my heart relaxed because I can't tell you how I knew it was the right thing because my brain did not want this. Like the second thing that happens is strategically, I figure out <clears throat> all the ways that this is going to affect me. Uh, I'm a very selfish person. Um, how it's going to affect my business, me. <laughs> I went home later that day and told Kirby and Kirby was like, oh my gosh, who's the job with? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't ask. And he's like, oh my God, you didn't ask. And I was like, no, I instantly started thinking of what I needed to do to like make sure I and the business was going to be okay. And he just laughed at me. He's like, you're a terrible person. Anyway, so I clench, go, oh my God. And then there's this brief moment where my heart just knows like, this is right. Like, this is going to sound super woo woo, but like her contract and my contract, our earth contract of what not just she was here to do for me, but what I was here to do for her had was complete. And I knew that this was the right next step, not just for her, but for the business. And then my mind took over of like, ah, oh, fuck, you're going to have to work a lot more. What are you going to how are you going to do this? How are you going to do the masterclass? What are you going to blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I went into that. So um, we we hugged. She left. She's doing fantastic per everything. Like when life lines up, like all of these things just started lining up um, for her and me that were, again, only happen when you are truly like in alignment with like the energy of the universe and like where you're supposed to be going next and all of that. Um, and so I was like, OK, this, this is good. And I was excited like and so I started working full time, I'll say. Um, when was it? Or, let's see, it's the end of July. I think like June 19th ish. So five, six weeks ago. Um, and, you know, I reorged my life pretty much. Anything that could be delegated got delegated. And I started adjusting more. And um, I loved it. It was really nice because I remembered how easy adjusting people is, how like being like, OK, you got to be there at nine o'clock and then you're just adjusting people like, no, you're not responsible for sending emails and doing all this stuff like you're adjusting. And it was like, oh, this is kind of nice. Well, who takes care of like that email to our accountant well your husband does because that's what like he you don't have time well who does that marketing thing well your marketing person does now and I'm like oh this is kind of nice I just have to like adjust and make money I am the talent um so it was great and so we get like two weeks in we get three weeks in and all of a sudden like post fourth of July there is this shift that happens and at first it starts with everyone else. And I just notice that all of my patients are a freaking wreck. Now I have a theory for this and I can't speak to where you are. If you're in Texas or in New York or California, um, I don't know what your patients have been going through, but I can tell you here in Wisconsin, um, things got really bad in March and April. And then like May, we thought things were gonna let up. They, they did, um, and then June comes and things continue to get looser. People who were isolating start feeling comfortable at least getting together like for socially distancing, distancing outside. Fourth of July is kind of this peak in our area, I will say, where there was like baseball tournaments and barbecues and like people on boats um, at sandbars and things like that. And I think there was this like things are returning, like, you know, it makes sense. OK, started bad and is slowly, slowly, slowly getting better. But then anybody who's been in practice and sees kids knows that when you're on the other side of the Fourth of July thing all of a sudden everybody's brain turns towards the school year people start going like we're after the halfway and so they can see like oh gosh we only have this many weeks of summer and then the school year and I know this is not unique to Wisconsin that the school year is um <laughs> gonna be pretty effed up and so we're starting to see like school districts talking about masks and 
maybe not even coming together at all and maybe doing virtual. And so all of a sudden we're going, wait a minute, we're moving backwards. We can't look to the fall six weeks from now, two months from now, three months from now, and assume that we're going to take the same velocity of uh, opening up, of a returning to normal and apply it, we're actually for the first time in this whole pandemic starting to go backwards in our minds of like, wait a minute, you know, so like many states in the last week or two have gotten stricter. And there's this tension of uncertainty of like, oh crap, we're going backwards. So therefore I don't know what the fall is gonna look like because I don't know where this is going. So it started with my patients, just, you know, so I started going like, oh my gosh, Mercury's in retrograde, holy shit, we're all screwed. Oh, and then there's a full moon and I started, and then I'm like, oh yeah, they're all freaking out because of this. And, um, and then like the next week I got my period and it was way more emotional than typical but nothing I can't handle. You know, it's just like, damn, like I woke up and I went out to get coffee and Kirby's just like, whoa, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I got my period and I'm upset and sad. And he's like, oh, honey, you know, and like, that's kind of normal on some months for like a day for me or maybe two days. So, you know, then I'm like blaming it on that. And, um, and it didn't go away. My period went away, but that feeling of sadness and not wanting to talk to anybody and being irritated at just the dumbest things and just wanting to eat and drink. It wasn't going away. And it actually, the next week got way worse. Um, And then the next week, so then we're like to like this week, um, got worse. And I was like, whoa, I'm dealing with a legit anxiety again and borderline depression. Like I've never been actually diagnosed with anxiety or depression. I will say there have been moments in life where I've had a lot of anxious thoughts, bad sleep, bad like self-care habits. I'm turning towards food and drink and, um, and I'm wanting to pull away. Um, and so I started to notice it, uh, that some things that had happened back in March and April. So back in March and April, when things were kind of at their peak, I would have these moments um, away from patients. Usually when I'm with patients, I'm like in flow mode. It's all in the recovery time of like dinner or, you know, whatever, Um, where I will kind of for no reason, I needed to like stop what I was doing and lie on the floor because like my heart was palpating oddly and I was feeling tightness in my chest um and so like that would happen back in March and April like at dinner time with my family for no apparent reason and so last week I noticed I was just ordering a sink for the new building and I liked the sink like yeah finding the right sink because it has to be ADA was a pain in the ass because every sink I liked was not ADA and I was like oh all the ADA sinks are ugly so anyway so I'd found a sink that I really liked and was in stock and was a great price and clicked by. There was no reason in my mind. And so all of a sudden I had to like lay down on the floor and Curb was just like, I don't think this is PMS. And I'm like, yeah, I don't either. I don't either. So um, you're kind of up to speed and well, up to like last week. And I started, you know, just doing research and research is a fancy way to say I was just like googling shit and scrolling and whatever and um divine intervention happens and I come across this term called compassion fatigue now every single person I've talked to since then um knows exactly what compassion fatigue is and I feel like I might be the only idiot who didn't know that this was a thing you can kind of put two and two together pretty quickly as to like huh I wonder what that is um But compassion fatigue, sometimes when you read a definition of it, it can be much more driven towards like EMTs and people who are um, experiencing literal trauma, literal deaths, car accidents, um, 
I've known for a long time that female veterinarians have the highest suicide rate of all healthcare professions. Like, what? Um, and like, you can look it up. Like, it's, it's the truth. And I think that this is kind of at the root of it because they're having to euthanize animals and then like go on with their life. Like things are, you know, um, so I'll define this for you, though. So compassion fatigue, it's a broadly defined concept that can include emotional, physical and spiritual distress in those providing care to another. It's associated with caregiving where people or animals are experiencing significant emotional or physical pain and suffering. Now, I think that a big reason why I haven't experienced this term before this is if you guys look way back in the episodes, there's a, an episode on empathy that I do that, um, I kind of joke how I might be a sociopath and I don't really carry a lot of empathy, but I am getting better. I think, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm getting more empathetic, which in that episode, I was talking to my friend Laura on it and I was like, what's the point of this? This all sounds terrible. And she said like, yeah, it, it is, but it's what humanity needs to move forward is for all of us to have more empathy and love for each other. That's what we need as a society to move forward. And I'm like, oh, it sounds terrible. And she's like, yeah, it is. And you have to have boundaries around it. So anyways, my empathy project, that's what this damn podcast should be called. Not she slays the day. She just keeps getting more empathetic. The empathy project. Um, so I think that why I didn't know it before is because I was still a really good doctor, but I didn't feel people's pain for them, um, which is a boundary I think a lot of female healthcare providers don't set. I had a great boundary around that. I was good. I was a good doctor and I could talk to someone about their stress and then I could leave the room and it did not attach to me. And now it does more apparently because I know I'm more empathetic. And so, yeah, that. Um, the second reason that I think it kind of came up for me is I not just doubled the number of patients, I, but not tripled, two and a half old. I don't know what the number is. Some mathematician out there is like, you idiot, it's this. Anyways, I more than doubled the number of patients I was adjusting in a week during a really effed up month, like I said. July and what happened we as a society started moving quote-unquote backwards in our I don't know if that quote-unquote was necessary we literally just no we didn't literally move backwards you know what I'm saying we started to get more strict again and people are looking to the school year and seeing it's not going to be normal so anybody who's a healthcare provider knows that the month of July was cray cray for people um, and if you are a clinic that has up until now talked about stress oh that's the other aspect I didn't tell you we're like many of you probably a kind of weird chiropractic clinic and I love that about us um, we talk way beyond back pain we have trained our patients that to think about stress in their life when they're experiencing physical ailments you know so it's not a surprise that our patients, when they're experiencing this increased stress and um, burden, we've trained them to talk to us about that. So when they do just that, it's fantastic. But when it's like, oh, whoa, this is heavier shit and more of it, because normally we're not all in this together. Like in this pandemic, we're all experiencing the same thing, right? Like prior to this, I might have one patient who's like, oh my gosh, my mother's going into a nursing home and like, oh, I need to be there for her. But then I go to the next person and they're like, oh, I got accepted to college. I'm so excited. I can't wait to leave. And then the next person got engaged and they're super excited and we can talk about where are they getting married and all that stuff. And then maybe the next person is dealing with a lot of anxiety because they want to quit their job. But right now, 
we are all going through the same trauma together. So like every patient, there's not a single patient that I go to that I'm like, hey, how's it going? How's life? How's your summer? And they're like, oh, summer's great. I've got all this stuff. And like, I'm like, oh, are the kids excited to go back to school? Oh yeah, I'm so excited. Like nobody's doing that. Even on people's good days, they're like, yeah, I mean, we went camping this weekend and I'll be like, oh, how was it? And they're like, weird. It was weird because, you know, for X, Y, Z reasons. So we're seeing all this. And so why I wanted to talk and budge this to the front is I have a feeling, even though a lot of people listening may have not the exact same month or two that I've had, um, if you have, oh, call me, let's get drinks. Um, but we're going through this in some kind of way and you might be going like what is going on with me um and so we're going to talk about compassion fatigue so this seems like a really good time to give a disclaimer that i am not a therapist a counselor a psychiatrist a psychologist a researcher on compassion fatigue i'm just lauren and i have google uh, and i've listened to a couple ted talks on compassion fatigue and i have my experience so, um, please don't, <laughs> please don't use this for as like medical advice type of thing. So let's talk, we talked about what it was by definition. Let's talk about what some of the symptoms are of compassion fatigue. And with anything, a lot of these are quote unquote vague things that could be caused by, by a lot. Um, but if you're a healthcare provider, to someone mentally or physically, and you're having this, you may want to think about stuff. So they break it down into like three different categories of symptoms. There's cognitive symptoms, physical symptoms, and behavioral symptoms. Um, so cognitive is kind of that inability to shut things off, dwelling on the day. So this might look like you get home um, for dinner and you're thinking about that patient, that why isn't there that SI joint responding normal? Like, what am I doing wrong? Um, so a lot of that, that goes into the next thing of like self-blame. I should be doing more. I, you know, maybe a patient quits care because they weren't getting results and you dwell on that of like, damn it, I should have given them exercises. Um, you know, they needed more. Um, it will then or can turn into more global changes in belief systems. Um, so this might look like, you know, so it starts with I'm not getting results to should I, does chiropractic even help that? Should I even be talking about that category? Or, um, you know, it's just much more global assessments. It turns past you into like do I even have any friends like it's just these much bigger like belief systems in life um then you know kind of reducing your sense of personal or occupational accomplishment um again a similar you know like is chiropractic I know everybody else gets results in chiropractic with anxiety, but like I sure as shit am not. I can't even like I'm experiencing anxiety. What's wrong with me? Um, and then just like that difficulty concentrating, focusing, making decisions. Every decision seems like this big thing. You're kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. So then there's the physical symptoms. Um, and this can be things like nausea. IBS. Um, so I told you that, oh no, I didn't tell you guys this. <laughs> yeah. So in July, uh, the beginning of July, around the time where I said my patients were starting to get broken down, but I wasn't, I was getting terrible stomach aches in the morning, like gut wrenching, like, oh my God, am I going to go be able to go to work? I have to go to work. I'm down a dock, like stomach aches and they would go away. Um, and this wasn't the first time in my life that I've had, um, an essence of IBS. I had it like two summers ago, really bad for a month. Um, but anyway, so I was like, Ugh, you know, you might have dizziness. You might be getting headaches. Um, might be having a hard time sleeping, um, nightmares, um, but you're just tense and on edge. So some of those physical symptoms. 
And then the behavioral symptoms that they call out are self-isolation and withdrawal. So this is what started to happen with me where I was like, oh, this is a red flag. Like the stomach aches, I'm like, ah, I've been there. But when I literally was like, I don't want to go to lunch with my friend. I don't want to talk with my friend. I don't want to go do that thing. Like I really um, was struggling and isolating and starting to withdraw. Now I... I think I ca I don't want to say I catch things really f like faster than normal people. What I will say is I take action a lot faster. So <clears throat> I notice that behavior in me and immediately go, okay, hold up. We need to do something here. Whereas other people might just go like, oh, well, we'll see if this gets better on its own. Um, so that's the only area where I feel like I am slightly different is I am aware of my triggers and warning signs and go, that's not normal. Like some of these other things are normal. And then when it gets to those red flags, I'm like, no. Um, other behavioral things are like self-medicating, increasing substance use. Um, <laughs> so that would be one of my yellow flags where I'm like, well, I'm drinking a little too much, but aren't we all like wine o'clock? Um, and just conflicts and relationships, I noticed that I had basically a sense of paranoia is the only way I can describe it of like that friend didn't text me back or they gave me a thumbs up. They're mad at me. Oh my God, they're mad at me. And like just seeing a picture of like, you know, two people golfing. Why didn't I get invited? I mean, never mind the fact that they golfed at 11 o'clock on Monday and they're good friends and they know that I now work at 11 o'clock on Monday and don't have that flexibility in my schedule. But like just seriously, that kind of paranoia of like, they don't like me. So I was like, OK, so this this is this isn't working, Lauren. Um, the, so those are some of those those um, symptoms of compassion fatigue. And, you know, outbursts, it's a them versus us mentality, um, just kind of this veil of sadness. And then the physical ailments, too, like I, I touched on it with like the nausea and the IBS, those more obvious ones. But just like I felt like my body wasn't holding an adjustment as well. Right. Like I could tell like I was just achier. And we as chiropractors know why this happens. Like, duh. Um, so. Why does compassion fatigue happen? I don't know. <laughs> I have a lot of theories. There are a lot of theories. I think if I can talk straight to chiropractors in like a shorthand, we understand the neurology of this adrenal fatigue, caring for others. If we incorporate Enneagram into this, if we incorporate like fem feminine energy so I guess I shouldn't say I don't know I think I can say I think it's complicated and depends on everyone if your personality is really geared towards caring for others that's going to be a big one um, if you're in healthcare and you're literally in a role you've put yourself in a role where your job is to receive people's burdens so you can help them. Ugh, I think you're kind you know, that's you're going to absorb it. Um, you know, if you don't have those good outlets, um, like we know, why does it happen? Like, come on, look at your life and how you're prioritizing other people and their mental and physical health. And literally we're touching people. So there's a transaction. There is an energetic transaction that is happening when we do an adjustment like oh can we just step on a philosophical soapbox just for a minute of what is happening when you are doing an adjustment we are doing so much more than popping a bone back in place right your uncle somebody's uncle joe can push on a back and like make popping noises and not be a chiropractor we know the different, well, there's a whole bunch of differences there anyways. Um, but like one of the differences is we're clearing the nervous system. We are restoring communication in a specific way and clearing 
that stress at that vertebrae. Where do you think the stress goes, people? Like, if we're clearing it from them, <laughs> should I give you a minute to catch up? Like, we're physically working on people. So unless we have these ways of getting rid of it, um, unless you have clearing patterns for your energy, you're just lining yourself up for this. Now, I'm not going to touch on this. I I'm going to say it, but I'm not going to go a deep dive here. But like when you start researching compassion fatigue, there's a huge element of childhood uh, development and trauma, what, what they call it. Um, so here's why I'm not going to like do a deep dive. I'm not saying it's not true, but I will say that my belief is that Parents and childhood get blamed for a lot of things. And I think that it doesn't mean it's not there um, as an explanation, but I think that you can have trauma as a kid that never had to, ex you know, like if your parents did everything to protect you, your traumas are going to be that you never had to suffer. And like your parents didn't teach you, they handed you everything and they didn't teach you that suffering was important. No, that's a, I don't want to call it a trauma. That is your development. And does therapy need to work through that? Yeah, absolutely. But then the other kid, the case here for compassion fatigue is more that opposite of like you had a false sense of responsibility and caring early in childhood. Um, and so you carry that into your adultness. Um, you know, so it is what it is for those that that really touches on something. Go talk to a therapist on your childhood. Um, but I'm not that. So we're going to move on. <laughs> um, so another big reason this happens is that lack of boundaries. Um, that's that's a big one. We know this that but that's kind of thread through the silver thread through everything, you know, we don't have the clearing boundaries for when we adjust people. We don't have the emotional boundaries to not take on their things like, you know, how to listen to someone's story and give them advice, but then not be attached to whether they get the results or whether they do the advice. Like so boundaries within our profession, if you're in any kind of profession of healthcare, are a big one. We could have a whole episode on boundaries. I'm not going to. I'm just going to say check your boundaries also. So either check your childhood, check your boundaries, um, and, you know, check your, uh, your general self-care. But let's talk about what are some things you can do about it, actually, okay? So here, I'm just going to remind you, just in case you fast forward to the previous disclaimer, I am not a psychologist, counselor, therapist, researcher on compassion fatigue. I'm just Lauren. I'm a chiropractor. And these are some things that work for me. Um, these are some things that work for my patients. Um, some of them are controversial. I will say that. Um, but I don't know. Take what works for you. I did not put them in order because of like severity so they're kind of like one might be really like whoa that's a big one and then the other one might be like oh and that's kind of fun uh just because i didn't want to give any kind of impression that these are the steps you should go through because i don't know you and what so as you listen probably one or two are going to pop out is really important to you so um the first thing that i do when i start to get those warning signs are check my fluids um my pattern is that when I start getting stressed, I will drink coffee all day and then drink like the smallest amount of water. <laughs> like we're talking less than one cup and then get home and drink wine and go to cocktails. And then the next morning I am super fatigued, duh, because I'm dehydrated. And so then what do I do? I need to drink more coffee and then I get super ramped up and stimulated artificially from caffeine. And so then, duh, what do I need to do after work? I need to chill the F out. So I, you know, so that is my cycle. 
Um, and then like occasionally I'll throw a pre-workout in there too, which is just caffeine. Um, so that's a big thing that I need to do in making sure, uh, I, I don't typically do severe things like, all right, you're going to do a caffeine withdrawal and you're not going to do caffeine, um, at all. But I just focus on the increase of water. Okay. So like, I like to approach myself gently. Well, that's not true. My nature is to approach myself very aggressively and full of shame and all of that. In my work with other women, I tell them to handle themselves gracefully. So therefore I am working on doing that too. So what works for me is not to focus on like, okay, you are only allowed this much coffee and you're not going to drink until 8 PM and you're only allowed one. What works for me is to go like, Hey, Drink as much coffee as you need, but you need to get the water in. You just, you got to do the stuff. Um, so that's one. Uh, step two is uh, talk to someone, paid or not, professional or not. Um, if you're paying them, maybe they should be a professional, though. I will just say that. Um, here's a controversial statement, and I have chiropractic coaches that listen to this. Don't. Oh, God, I feel bad saying this, but I'm going to say it. This is my opinion. Don't put that on your chiropractic coach to be your therapist. It's okay to share with them. And like plenty, many of the women um, who are mentors and coaches, they want an element of that. And if you take them there, they will be there for you because that is their programming. And they feel that they need to do that. Um, but I will say that they're your chiropractic coach or, you know, whatever. And it's important to let them know like, hey, this is what I'm going through. Um, I'm thinking that maybe I should sign up for therapy and they'll probably coach you in that of going like, I think that'd be a really good idea. But what so many of us are like, oh, I'm already paying for a coach. And she says, she's like, not just my practice coach, but my mindset coach. Don't put that on them, okay? Like, I'm sorry to the coaches who are listening if you're like, no, I want to also be their therapist for their marriage and also be their therapist. like okay hope you're charging a lot um so you can do just traditional therapy or you can go to betterhelp.com this is not a paid advertisement for them it's just somewhere i went um and filled out a really really long um what's it called application or whatever talking about all the area what's going on with me what are important aspects to talk like do I care if she's a female do I care if she cares about blah 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 um and so you know that's 65 dollars a week you get um a virtual session which you can do on the phone or video um or and then you get like texting and messaging happening also so if you're not there cool but just know that's what I would recommend is getting some professional help if you start to see some red flags. Um, so something I haven't done yet because I'm wimping out on finances ugh, is getting my hormones checked. So I don't have really good insurance um, because I'm a chiropractor and my husband works for our clinic, so he doesn't have a corporate job. Anyway, so if you go back and listen to the episode with Beth Westy, Dr. Beth Westy, I don't know the number, but her name is in the title. It's about hormones and whether they are affecting your life. And it's pretty clear in my conversation with her that you're like, oh, Lauren, I think you might. Yeah. So nothing has changed because I have cheaped out. She talks about the Dutch test. That is just one way in order to get your hormones checked. You can get them checked a whole bunch of ways. Um, but you might want to check how your estrogen and your cortisol and your progesterone are doing, because if you've been running a system of stress mode for a long time and it feels like you're PMSing 30 days out of the month might be just time okay so again you might not be there yet because I think the Dutch chest is like $700 and I was like oh I don't want to spend that much yet <laughs> so I haven't taken that step yet but it's like one of that like naggy things in the back of my head that I'm like oh I really should so I applaud you if you're like I'm gonna do that because that sounds good and honestly I don't know why because like I think I would help lose weight I think I would sleep better whatever anyways um okay so do you need some medicinal help so this can be something as simple as supplements so in our clinic 
Um, I think we get them through Emerson Ecologics. We use like these three supplements. Disclaimer again, I'm not your doctor. I don't know who you are, um, but we use something called Lavella, which is um, organic um, medical grade, not medical grade, whatever. You can take it orally, lavender, um, which is really great. And then we use something called HPA Adapt and then something called Cortisol cortisol calm so that's kind of where we start with our patients and ourselves of like I'm feeling a little stressed I don't feel like I'm processing stress super well despite getting adjusted um so we start there um I in this season of the pandemic have started taking CBD more seriously up until March and April I was kind of like yeah sure I don't know my thought <laughs> listen Again, all of this stuff is controversial because somebody out there hates CBD and somebody out there loves CBD, whatever. I am always hesitant or skeptical. I'm just a naturally skeptical person. So anytime that somebody is like, oh, CBD cures this, CBD cures everything. It is the greatest thing under the sun. It can help you lose weight. I'm like, okay, you lost me. Now I don't trust you at all. And then I shut down. So up until March, April, when I was having mini panic attacks um I was like eh, I don't need it whatever so then I started talking to my acupuncturist about you know I was like well like if I was gonna do it what would be the dosing um it's really hard to find a dosing for CBD online because of research being all over the place on it I'm gonna tell you what dosing I use and I hesitate to do this because I, but I don't know. This is what I have found has worked for me. Um, a dose between 40 to 100 milligrams a day. Usually if I do 100, I split it up throughout the day. Okay, so you do you. But for those of you who are like, I'm doing CBD, um, a lot of CBD doses are like 10 milligrams. So if you're dealing with more than just like I just need a little something to calm down like if you're dealing with some of these more severe symptoms you may just want to like do your research and talk to somebody who knows way more about CBD than me and find what kind of a dosing you could or should be doing just a thought okay now here's the real controversial one please don't throw stones at me I know I'm a chiropractor and I know I signed in blood to hate all pharmaceuticals at all times forever and ever with zero exceptions um, but for those that are at a point where they are having full-blown panic attacks, where it is interfering with your work, where you are neglecting your children, where you are having a hard time getting out of bed and feeling motivated by anything despite loving your job, if you're there, can I just be a chiropractor in your life saying, it's okay. It's okay for you to talk to a medical doctor about a medical grade solution. Do I want you to be aware that um, there are lots of side effects? I think you know that. I think we have enough talking heads in our lives saying that um, pharmaceuticals are the devil and they will kill you and they actually make the problem worse. Like, I get that. I get what they do to the neurology. I know that. Like, but I'm just, listen. I would rather have you go there temporarily and once you get to a better state of mind, um, start making some non-medical changes in your life so hopefully you can wean off it as fast as possible. But whatever, okay? Send me my hate mail. I don't care. Um, okay, so next is your self-care routine. This is a whole nother thing that could be a whole nother podcast on self-care routines. Um, here's my point that I'm gonna say on it. You don't need me to talk too much. I will say that I am the master of a micromanaged day. So when I do self-care, so like I work out five times a week. I get my nails done, I get massages, I get acupuncture. I do the stuff that by definition should be self-care. What I have found for me is that I 
will say like, okay, so I wake up at six o'clock and I do this and then I meditate and then I have to journal and then I get ready for work and then I go to work and then on my lunch break, I eat a salad because that is fueling my body and I take my vitamins and then I go work out and then I go back to work and I care for people and then I go for a walk with my family. Like I am just a master of turning self-care into somehow still being a fight or flight thing I need to do. Um, so for me, what I have found is like, I don't count any of that as self-care. I count that as like necessary for my beauty and physical body. So like a run can be self-care for me sometimes, but sometimes a run is just a run because that's what I'm training for. I'm training for a half or like I'm trying to drop a pound or two, like whatever. So I don't get, like, I just have to realize that sometimes a run is just a run and it's not self-care. Sometimes a massage is for tight muscles and not my mentality because that's what I do to it. Sometimes it does have better self-care effects. Um, but what I need is I need unscheduled time to um, not have an agenda, to spend with myself and to not have a checklist. And I, this might just be my personality. This might not be like for other people, but I, it's what I do is like, I turn a run into accomplishing things. And then it becomes more than just self-care and it becomes an issue. So there's this French term called flaneur. Um, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, but it's base, basically this French term of like aimlessly exploring. You are intentionally being aimless. Um, I think an American term for it would be like meandering or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's just having time with no thought of just like what? What will I do with this time? And you can choose what to do that feels good in that moment. So I think that is an aspect of self-care that isn't talked about enough that I think needs to be in your life. Okay, um, so the next one, crystals. I don't know how much you guys know my opinion on crystals. I think they're pretty. Um, I think that... I don't know if if God has given crystals any powers over humans, but I know as long as I don't start worshiping the crystal instead of God, there's very little harm in having pretty rocks around. Um, so there are some crystals that are specifically for absorbing energies. So anything dark and black or like just like the darker colors, um, like I think like tourmaline is for absorbing negative energy. So like they say, putting tourmaline like over, like by your front door or in your rooms, um, but around your patients basically to absorb their negative baggage that they bring in. Um, and then they encourage things like purple amethyst for um, being a grounding thing. So basically, I don't really know how it's different than black tourmaline but like that's supposed to like help you not absorb their energy it's like grounding and it helps and then there's like things like white quartz which helps clear negative energy i don't know it's fun they're pretty if that's not for you i don't care i wouldn't hang my hat on it if you're having suicidal thoughts though um maybe do more than the rocks just gonna say that i don't know maybe not whatever um Okay, get some empathetic discernment is the next one. Empathetic discernment is a term for understanding yourself and learn what hurts you. So I kind of said that I started getting to a point of paranoia of like I would see pictures of my friends getting together and start telling myself a story that they don't like me. So that is Empathetic discernment is going like, maybe you shouldn't spend so much time on social media. Um, you know, like knowing what triggers you, what li you're listening to, what you're reading, what you're exposing yourself to that hurts you. Things that people say, um, you know, it might be you might need to cut off talking about the mask debate in your clinic 
Now, you don't have to be a jerk, but you can learn ways to quickly change the subject. If talking about um, the pandemic and masking in the school year is causing you harm, have a rule that you don't bring it up. Like some of us are so glutton for punishment where it's just like, I found that I was bringing it up with patients where it's like, well, geez Louise, like figure out different table talk, my God. Anyway, so have some empathetic discernment. Um, second to last is just the idea of gratitude and mindfulness. Um, I'm not gonna talk about this that much, not because I don't think it's good. I just don't have anything unique or original to say on it. Uh, it's not going away. And if what here's maybe my unique thought on it. If when I say uh, uh, practice of gratitude and mindfulness, you roll your eyes and go, I've heard that before. Um, most truth in life gets repeated over and over. So it's not because it's unoriginal. It's because it is so true. So research just keeps finding more and more power around this idea. So if you are not, if you don't have a gratitude or mindfulness exercise in your daily life, can you just start somehow, please read an article, read a damn book, do something for five minutes, start small. That's, that's my aunt. Um, so then the last thing that I will say comes up as important um, around being a healthcare provider and compassion fatigue is more than likely you are taking on a role that God has not asked you to do. Spirituality of any kind, okay, whatever. Having spirituality around this. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard me talk about how much I hate the damn cup um, analogy of like, we must pour from our cup and then refill our cup. I hate this analogy because a cup is all about us. It's all about my energy into you. And you can see that when we view it from that standpoint, it is very easy to get depleted. Um, what I will say is I would much rather instead of thinking of ourselves as a cup, I would much rather think of ourselves as a straw. Okay? A straw that is tapped into an endless amount of love and energy. For you, that can be God. For you, that can be innate intelligence. For you, that can be source. Whatever it is for you. You, Jennifer, Sarah, whatever. Like, you are not an endless amount of energy. You have a very finite amount of energy, actually. And so as a healthcare provider, if you are trying to take on too much with your patients, you better have a really good system in place of how you're going to refill your cup because that shit is going to get emptier by the hour. If you can set up boundaries and remind yourself that you're not doing the healing. You're not doing the fixing. You are a conduit. You are a straw of information from an endless source of love and healing to them. You plant the seeds, but it's on them to do the work. If you can learn how to detach like that, you are going to find yourself with a bounty of energy. Now, to end how we started, I haven't figured that out yet. I haven't mastered it. Um, if anybody's heard my chiropractic story, you know that I went into this profession because from an ego state of I wanted to be the fixer in everybody's life. So this is a daily reminder for myself that I was positioned here to be the conduit for patients, to connect them to their endless healing, to restore communication 
for them to heal themselves, to connect them with energy, but not to be their energy. So, like I said, I, I, I'm working on it. A lot of these I am working on and I am not perfect, um, but I've made positive steps um, in the last week. And I'll say I'm feeling a lot better, feeling a lot better. I haven't had a panic attack in like eight days now. Um, and I'll, I don't know. It might come back. It probably will. Like if you look at life as a long thing, of course it will. I have not to like think that I've mastered this concept when we're so perfectly put in a position for compassion fatigue to creep back in like it's going to come back but these are the steps that i will return to when i start seeing my red flags and i hope this helps you i hope that this brings awareness to a topic that maybe you didn't know was a thing and you were wondering what was wrong with you and i hope that some of the um steps that i've given on what you can do will work for you and i don't think you have to do all of them. It's okay if you're like morally and philosophically opposed to some of them. That's okay. That sounds good. Try something else. So we will return to our previously scheduled um, <laughs> uh, podcast episodes next week. This one I just budged in front. Um, so I love you guys. Reach out. Know that you are not going through this alone. Um, and that I'm here for you to just be raw and honest and vulnerable. And if this episode did something for you um, in any way, I would love if you would shoot me a DM, uh, write a review for the episode or um, for the podcast. I would just love it. It helps bring the message to more people um, to have these open and vulnerable conversations. All right, have a great week. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. <laughs>